Leonard Lee here, the host of Say Yes and Become. And before we begin our conversation today, I want to tell you about Papa's Roast Coffee. It's my favorite. Papa's Roast is taken from a single origin coffee source and then roasted in small batches so you get an amazing quality with every bag you buy. The care and expertise shown by Dean and Debbie Christ in making Papa's Roast has made Papa's Roast my favorite coffee to drink each day. Now you can get your own Papa's Roast by ordering online at www.papasroast.com. You'll find a link in the show notes. Now let's get to today's conversation. Hey, welcome to Say Yes and Become. I'm your host, Leonard Lee. And today we have a returning guest, but it's an exciting return because we're going to talk about uh, a project that he's been working on. Billy Ivey, welcome to Say Yes and Become. And uh, we want to talk about uh, quite a few different things, but something pretty exciting has happened uh, in your life. uh, Well, just in the last few days. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Well, thank you, first of all, Leonard. I appreciate it. Uh, am I the, am I the, I'm not the only returning guest I've been, but maybe the only third time. Uh, let's see. We've got a guy who comes back and hosts Justin Orr, and he comes back yeah. and hosts with me sometimes. All right. Um, well, but you're number three, uh, returning guest. Uh, I think you might be the first to return three times. It wasn't hosting. Okay. Well, well, there, that's something. Okay. Yeah. You'll get another plaque behind you on the wall for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, I appreciate it. Thank you for, for having me back. And I, I always love talking to you. Um, yeah. Very, very excited about a new project, a new, a new book that has just released uh, called long is the way. And uh, it's a book that I wrote with my friend, Alton Hardy, uh, who was with me last time that I was on, on the show. Uh, Alton is a, a very, very special man with a very, very powerful story. And, and, um, and we, we wrote it together and put it out uh, a week or so ago and, and just real excited to, to promote it and to get people, um, uh, you know, to, to read this, this book. Cause I do think it's a blessing and it will be a blessing to those who get it. So I'm super excited about it. Oh, me too. I got to tell you, I read it. Uh, I read it in one sitting. So for those of you who are, uh, who are sitting there going, I don't read books. You got to get this book and read it. I'm telling you because it is written in such a way that you, once you start, you don't want to stop and you just want to finish it because you want to get to the next part of the story. Uh, So well done to both you and Alton and uh, very, very excited about uh, you being here. Can you put, uh, can you put um, this uh, long is the way, um, in in perspective for us, so we kind of get uh, a, an idea of what's this story about. Tell me why I should read this. Yeah, well, ultimately, ultimately, it is a uh, it's a story of hope, um, and 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 not just for uh, not just for some of us, but for you know the some of us, right? I think that this this is a one man's very specific story um, and uh, and but a very, very clear picture of how God is guiding us, God is leading us, uh, God is with us uh, at, at, along our journeys, wherever those journeys may be or wherever they may take us. Alton uh, grew up in Selma, Alabama, just outside of Selma, Alabama as a child in poverty with you know he battled uh, uh, fatherlessness and poverty and uh, racism as it were back in the late 60s and and then basically it, it, it 
it takes him on his journey of his life journey, which was basically fraught with all of those things throughout the, throughout most of his life until he realized that God was leading him and God was fathering him and God was in control of his, uh, of his life, which, which basically changed everything for him. Mm. Uh, so it's just a, it's a, it's a very clear picture using a very specific example uh, of how God uh, uses his people uh, to, to make a difference in the lives wow. of other people. The, the, um, the title long is the way, um, how'd you guys come up with that? Yeah, I, this is, this is actually one of my favorite stories, uh, about the story. It, it, this, um, I was sitting with Alton, Alton and I met every, every Wednesday for about two hours, uh, for close to six months, we would, mm-hmm. we would meet together and talk and it was, we were nearing the end of the book. I, I basically finished the manuscript and I had no idea what I wanted to call this thing. There were, there were probably 30 titles out there and all of them were bad. Um, <laughs> none of them made sense. And, and Alton and I were just talking one, one day outside of his story. And he just was talking about what was on his heart. And, um, and he mentioned, you know, you know, when, when, when Moses, um, uh, took the Jews out of, uh, out of Egypt to the promised land. Right. He said, he said, did you know that according to cartographers and according to historians or whatever, that they could have gotten to the promised land in 11 days. Yeah. And I said, wait a second, but, but it took them 40 years. And he said, right. And me in my shallow, you know, understanding of what Dalton was trying to explain to me, I, I said, well, why in the world, why in the world would, would, would it take so long? And he said, because God was still writing their stories. Mm. He still had work to do. They weren't ready yet. He knew, he knew where that he wanted them to end up. They just weren't ready yet. And so, and so he said, they took the long way around because God was still writing their stories. And that phrase, the long way around, the long way around just really kept resonating in my head. And, and so I said, that's, that's the title of the book. We're going to call it the long way around. And because Alton's story is very reminiscent, right? I mean, right. he, he, he grew up 89 miles from where he now lives, but he went to Louisville, Kentucky and Grand Rapids, Michigan. And he, you know, he, he, he never thought about coming back South, but he ended up, you know, less than 90 miles away from where he grew up. And so that is sort of uh, reflective of his story. And, and I just thought the long way around is just a great title. And so I started Googling, that title and there are roughly 12,000 things called the long way around. <laughs> and, and uh so I, you know that was pretty disappointing and and I, I got kind of uh down about that but literally I made a mistake googling as I typed in I typed um instead of saying long uh uh, what did I, the, the long way or something I said long is the way or you know so I typed very quickly and long is the way and what popped up was fascinating there was a hmm. it was it was a quote uh, that came from John Milton's Paradise Lost which I'm yeah. sure you're familiar with Paradise Lost John Milton wrote this epic you know saga saga poem and and in it he wrote long is the way and hard that out of hell leads up to light hmm. and I got chills all over my body and I just slammed the computer down and I said, long is the way and hard that out of hell leads up to light. That is quite literally poetry. That is, that is what yeah. we're going to title this book. And so I sent that story to, to Alton and he just, he said, I'm weeping 
let's do this. And so yeah. uh, it, it, that was just fascinating how God works. Right. I mean, it was, it was uh, uh, just sort of a side conversation that Alton and I were having. He was sharing what was on his heart, um, speaking into me, you know, with, mm-hmm. with uh, trying to encourage me throughout this process, because writing a book is a long, arduous process. And sometimes yeah. you just feel like you can never finish. And sometimes you feel like you haven't even started yet. Right. And, and so he was just, uh, he was trying to encourage me. And he, he, t- he talked about the promised land, which is uh, actually a theme throughout his story, right? Yes. He, he always felt like he was, he was searching for a promised land he could not see. Right. And, uh, and anyway, it's just, it's just, you can call it, you can call it uh, uh, a happy accident, but I choose to to feel like we were led to to this title and there's, there's power in that. Absolutely. I, when, when I first saw the title, I thought there's gotta be a story behind that title because um, that's not what I, that's not the phrase that came to me. Mm-hmm. And yet, as soon as I saw it, I thought, Oh yeah, yeah. This it's, it's a story about a long journey, yeah, uh, a full circle journey, but a long journey. And I thought, wow, that is so great. Um, we we in our previous episode this was a while back and we'll put the we'll put in our show notes the episode so people can go back and listen to Alton tell a lot of his story yeah uh, as well but in that um Alton told a story of of a kid uh who who didn't have hope but it wasn't that he was hopeless there was just hope was not even an option Right. Uh, and so it wasn't like he sat around going, man, there's a better life. I could have hope that I'll find it someday. There was just no other option but to exist. Right. Um, and as he told that story so well on our on our previous uh, conversation, one of the things that the book brings out, and I want to talk a little bit about this, is that um, throughout the way this story is told, it's almost as though providentially uh, God was preparing him for something. Uh, and, and, and so on one side, and th- we're going to talk about stories in a little bit, it's preparing him for the empathetic journey so that, uh, I won't give anything away, but so that when he's in Michigan, uh, the conflict of his soul for what he was seeing mm-hmm. uh, while in ministry, uh, he was, he was, he talked about understanding. You, 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 you might understand the information, but you've never been there. Right. And uh, that to me stood out and I was like, Ooh, there's a punch in the gut. Cause uh, as a preacher, you know, which I've been doing for a couple, couple months now. Um, <laughs> uh, I think a lot of times preachers stand up and speak about things that are true, but not, they're not believable because they've never lived it. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that you, I love that you bring that up because um, there's, there's a group of us. There, there are several, several people, you know, I I say in the author's note uh, or the beginning of this thing, you know, that this story was brought to me, right. Mm -hmm. By a friend of mine named Greg Mixon and, and Greg was so moved by Alton's story. He and Greg, he and Alton are, are the best of friends, right. Greg is a, a lawyer here in Birmingham who, who came to me and said, um, uh, for five years, God's been telling me that Alton Hardy's story needs to be told mm-hmm. and, and you're supposed to write it. Wow. And 
that's powerful, right? I mean, that that's both uh, both encouraging and also a little bit daunting because I didn't really know the story. But but from the very beginning, my question to Greg was, why tell Alton's story? And he said, he said the goal of this book is to answer the question, why should I listen to this guy? Hmm. Why should I listen to what this guy has to say? Yeah, and. And it is because of that very thing that you just mentioned It's because he's lived it. He mm -hmm. understands it not to bring up. And I have seen the other side right. top type, conversation, right. but, but he has seen the other side. He's lived it. He's currently living it. Right. And, uh, but he's living it now through the lens of the gospel yeah. and through the, through the lens of the, of the knowledge and the understanding and the belief and the truth that, that God has him. God has been fathering him all along. Yeah. And that is, that's something he was so desperate for his entire life yeah. Uh, yeah. was to, was to be fathered, was to be comforted, was to be known. And, um, and he, and now he sees that in his own communities and he understands, mm. especially within uh, the black community, inner city communities, the, the need is so desperate. Uh, for people to understand that they're not alone, that God is fathering them, that that mm. they they are being prepared for right. the goals that God's God's created for them. So, so I love the fact that you brought that out. I love the fact that that came through because that that quite literally was the purpose of the book was to answer the question: Why should I listen to this guy? Yeah, okay. no, it, it came through loud and clear. I, uh, it, it in the beginning, he talks about being a little boy wandering around. Uh, and then coming across little whispers that he didn't recognize as whispers, but watching a flower, watching it open, you know, he's seeing life in front of him. He's intrigued by it. Yeah. Life brings hope, but he doesn't, that's his only frame of reference because there's no human influence that brings hope. And it was almost as though the father in heaven was saying to him, um, the people who will bring you hope are not here yet. Mm. But the father who gives hope, who is hope, is here. Mm. And uh, there's something about, you know, we're entering into the season of uh, of Christmas and holidays and uh, the whole idea of Emmanuel, God with us. He's got his, his eminence, his, not his omnipresence of being everywhere at once, but the personal nature of him saying, I'm actually here with you. I was with you the whole time and, and not the, you know, not, not to, not to do the footprints in the sand uh, right. kind of deal. Cause I, I think I have butt prints in the sand uh, <laughs> instead, but just the whole idea that, that there is a father who pursues us, but also leads us. Right. That's and right. That comes through so loud and clear in the entire book. Um, so Alton's story, it takes him from uh, Alabama into Louisville. And uh, there's again, whispers, mm -hmm. uh, uh, images of people who, who the potential um, are life-changing. My right. friends, uh, uh, the, 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 the guy who was a surrogate image of what a father could be right. uh, whispers a church where he had a moment mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and yet still not the father. Right. Uh, um, how do you, how do you uh, capture that just by listening and writing and making notes? How do you, how do you, what is your process of, of going through this? 
Yeah, that's um, that's a great question. I, you know, th there were a lot of notes. There were a lot of a lot of conversations, and I recorded a lot of our conversations. Right? I mean, just on my just on my iPhone, right? Just through the the, and they were usually muffled, and I couldn't make them out. But I would I would find myself. Uh, instead of listening to podcasts, instead of listening to music, I'd find myself driving around with my my AirPods and just listening to Alton tell his story over and over and over again. And what was funny is we didn't we didn't really even I didn't even say okay let's start in Sardis let's go here let's go here. Alton Alton is a talker and he will get off he will get off subject real easy real real fast because he's very passionate as well. He's not super super comfortable telling his story now if you if you want him to talk if you want him to talk to you about his ministry he will go off and it is it is as clear as a bell but when he's telling his story it's a, it's a very difficult thing for him to even even articulate and communicate so so it was difficult i mean honestly it was difficult to find those threads and those themes but sometimes they were so obvious so clear uh, when he he would when he would cry for example in telling a story i would make a note this is going in there. Like this is, right. this is, this is meaningful to him. And sometimes he'd cry about, you know, things that aren't in the book, but, but it was, it was just making mental notes as I saw him try to explain and articulate his story. And more often than not, his tears came through not the pain that he suffered, but through the joy that he found in those, in those moments. Right. Mm -hmm. it, he talked about Bobby Carr, the surrogate father who, who really didn't show him anything other than kindness, right? He didn't, he didn't, uh, in, in, or, or an example, he gave, he gave Alton his first perspective of what a father should be. Yeah. Um, and, and that meant so much to him. It even brings him to tears today. And so capturing that too, though, I think it makes me, it makes me, when I would get emotional, when I would get emotional thinking about his situation, his circumstances. And a lot of that you have to apply through your own filter, right. through your own experience. Right. And so my, my, my filter and my experience is different from Alton's, but I experienced loss. I experienced uh, growing up without a father for, for most of my life, actually the lion's share of my life now has been, been spent without one, but, but, and so when I would feel that tough, when I would feel the the fact that hey he's he's speaking to me, Alton's story is ministering to me right now. Right. Um, you know, it's it can be a daunting thing to 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 hold this person's story in your hand and say it's it's up to me to tell it the right way. And to, but but sometimes through those little whispers and through those emotional moments, you just know it's right, and you Ooh. know that that's that's what's supposed to be communicated. Um, I'm not. I don't. I don't. Um, I, I, frankly, I don't claim to have written a lot of this, a lot of this story. Um, right. And that's, that, that may sound a little bit uh, 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 charismatic, if you will, but there, there are, there are things in this book where I look back and read and say, I don't remember writing that. Like right. I, I remember where I was when that part was written, but I don't remember writing that. And, th and that's a beautiful thing too, is to look back and say, this is, this is uh this is a, it's an inspired story. And I think yeah. that I was inspired to, to tell parts of it. I think he says it, it's the supernatural mm, sure. <laughs> a, a couple really? different times in the book. He's that was the supernatural. 
And yeah, that right. was like, right. you know, his first baptism in uh, in Sardis was not the supernatural. <laughs> <laughs> no, but he wanted to do it again because it felt good and he saw his mom smile, right? Yeah, right. You know, it reminded right. me of Nacho Libre when uh, he's trying to baptize his friend. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I probably shouldn't have that image, but I do. That's uh, great. That's great. You know. Hey, you bring it what you want. That's, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it um, it is such a, a a powerful reflection. One of the things that um, I want to talk about uh, is is I want to tell people get this book and read it. Um, there's a couple observations, and I think you could speak to this even more because you you got to sit in the same uh, spaces, Alton. Um, when we talk about race today, it's a different it's a different reflection than what he experienced growing up. Mm -hmm. uh, what we talk about today is, and, and I'm not trying to downplay what people of color experience, and I'm not trying to push it aside, um, but the rawness of the 60s and the 70s and urban environments, and it's everything played out in violence, and, and, and it played out in uh, lack of opportunity. It played out in so many ways. Right. Um, you grew up in the South. How uh, how did those stories of, of of racism in its rawness? Because he tells it so raw. Mm. Uh, yet it didn't. It doesn't come across as angry, but he just tells it as raw. Yeah. How did that impact you and your thought process and your faith and your understanding? Deeply, yeah, uh, deeply. I I would. Uh... I do think it's different. I think there are different. Um, I don't know that there's different levels to to racism. Like there, there are there are there are different um, uh, outward outward displays, right, of, of racism. But racism is just this inherent evil that that it is is going to be around and it's going to stay around and it's just going to be a part of our lives forever and ever and ever and ever uh, until. And this is and this is where what's so powerful with with Alton's story until we understand understand gospel justice yeah as opposed to just social justice mm -hmm. and 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 he he brought those terms into into play for me for the first time i didn't understand what he was talking about right um but back, back to your question we'll get to that in a second i would see it alton and i would meet at this place called edgar's bakery in hoover alabama just about every time we met we met at edgar's and Outside of the other people, some of the people who were working at Edgar's, you know, he was always the only black guy in there. Hmm. He's this big, you know, ominous, you know, character. And he and I are sitting at this table and you could just you could see it. It's not racism necessarily, but it's it's oh, he's different. What's I've never seen somebody like him in here before. I could see it. And I know Alton could see it. Alton has you know, tunnel vision when, when he and I are together. And I'm sure he's used to, to feeling that way, but, but uh, I can't imagine being the only, being the only one of my kind in, in most scenarios and most situations right. that I'm in. Um, I don't think, I, I think it, 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 it wounds him deeply and he still gets wounded deeply, but he understands this is the, this is the way that it is. Yeah. And until we all understand, all understand um, like, uh, like, like, like Jesus prayed right in the upper room, you know, that, that, 
they might see as I see that they might be one as we are one, yeah. right? Until we, until we follow one of Jesus's last prayers was that, was that they become one as we are one, right. they're unified, unified. Right. And so, um, I, I don't know. I don't even remember their question, but I was affected deeply, deeply by the racism. You know, there you can't help but to have white guilt as it as 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 it has been referred to. But that's yeah. the last thing Alton wants from this story. Right. You know, right. It, my neighbor, my neighbor, just yeah. just this morning said, "God, I'm reading the book, and I, I just feel so bad to be white." Keep reading, brother. Like like keep 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 reading. Keep keep. Yeah reading because it gets better you know there there's there's hope and there's uh the re redemption comes not 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 by white guilt or by giving someone something um it is uh by leaning into your own identity as a child of god and and understanding that that we're all where we, we can all be that that's right. that's true unity comes and that's where alton's heart really is it's not I'm owed, he's not, he doesn't feel owed a single thing. Right. He feels actually, actually his, he feels responsible to share that he's not owed anything and neither are you, neither is he and neither are her, whatever. And that we, uh, we will only find unity and real justice yeah. uh, by, by leaning into the gospel. So uh, Wait, you never steward what you're owed. You only steward what you have. And mm -hmm. um, he, he comes across very clearly as this is what I have and I'm responsible to share what I have. Um, he doesn't ever come across as feeling owed. And I think, I think one of the things that I would say, you know, our listeners are predominantly a white audience um, and it's easy for them to be gun shy. Mm -hmm. I'm going to read a book and I'm going to have white guilt. And then I'm going to, you know, we've come through such a, a difficult uh, and I'm going to say necessary, but difficult season of, of being aware uh, that uh, racism still exists, that there are issues that still exist, that, that, uh, but this book is not about that. This right. book is about a man's story of hope of a father in heaven who continually, uh, almost in some sense, put the guardrails up in the rumble strips to keep him from driving off the edge of the road so that he could find this long pathway to hope and stewarding what God has given him over the years. Right. And that's his story. He's stewarding a story now. Yeah. And so I would say to anybody uh, feeling a little bit uh, flinchy, that's a word, um, uh about reading a book that uh, is gritty on race. If you're a white person um, and you're hearing this, uh, I want to encourage you to read it anyway because it's not it's not written like that. It's not the intention of it. Um, well, it's here, not a political statement. That's exactly. Thank you for saying that. That's that's precisely when when we started. When my friend Greg and came and said, "I think you need to write Alton's story," and I said, well, "Okay, well, what's his story?" And he said, "Well." He's one of 12 children, grew up in the shadow of the Edmund Pettus Bridge in Selma, Alabama. His parents were sharecroppers. I went, I'm in. I, I'm telling that story. I, I'm telling that, like, that's, mm -hmm. I'm in. You already got me. You're not even a writer, Greg, and you, you've you already got me, right? That, that, that That's a story that I think can be powerful and compelling. And then I start hearing Alton share his story. 
And I made it very, very clear from the very beginning is that that I, I am not interested in writing a political statement. I'm just not. I'm not. I'm actually not even really interested in writing uh, a Christian book. Like, I, uh, I might be interested in writing a Christian book, but that's not what I want to do with this story. I want right. to tell I want to tell a true story. And I want to know, I want to know what this is all about. I want to get down and deep. And if people are offended by the N-word, then they don't need to buy this book. Now, of course, you should be offended by the N-word. Of course you should, right? But but sometimes we talk about church folk or right. or folk who's like, oh my gosh, I I'm I i, I got I, I can't say that word. I can't even read that word. Right. Well, why not? I mean, it's it's truth and it's real and it's yeah. what he endured. And so you have to experience that. And if I can't tell the story the way that Alton told me the story, then I'm not interested in, in doing this because that serves a different purpose. You know, if, if I'm writing a political statement, then that serves a political purpose. If I'm writing, if I'm writing a statement, uh, you know, for, for, uh, for rich white Christians to feel comfortable in their own identity, then I'm not interested in writing that right. story. That's not what this is about. Or if I'm writing a story to make black people feel better about who they are and who they were created to be, that's not really it either. It, yeah. At the at the end of the day, this is a this really is a story of and a book about hope and how we all have this universal need for for a father to guide us and for a father to continue and for us to all realize that he's writing our stories and he has all along and he's not going to stop until it comes to fruition and you know on earth as it is in heaven. So that like that that was very very clear to me that I did not want to write. A political statement. I wasn't interested in that. And I, I'm, I'm hopeful that this is written in more of a more of a uh, John Grisham way than it is a Max Licato way, if that makes sense. Well, Max Licato probably not a good example there because uh, he he's a pretty good storyteller too. Yeah, but. he is. Well, I think the the you you accomplished the mission. You did not you did not write a political story. Um, I read it and uh, and I felt the rawness, but I didn't feel the shame. Uh, because you weren't trying to communicate shame. You were just saying, this is the facts of what happened. And this is how those facts impacted uh, a person's hope. And this is how a father in heaven directed a pathway uh, where the conclusion of that pathway would be uh, a man running into, into Jesus in such a way that he could recognize uh, the whispers of hope and then the shouts of hope. You know, um, years ago, I did a uh, I did a, a series of sermons called The Sound of Hope. And I said, we all know what the sound of despair sounds like. You know, uh, the phone call from the police, the doctor saying it's cancer, the N-word. We know what sounds of despair are. Um, and our sound bites of, uh, of our culture are never sounds of hope. They're sounds of despair. Hmm. And uh, and then somewhere along the way we as jesus people need to be able to say this is what hope sounds like you know at the sound of a friend's grave the sound of hope are tears falling mm. from the master's face because that's what jesus does at the graveside of his friends uh the sound of hope is when an angel says he's not here he's risen just as he said yeah uh the sound of hope is an angel saying this same jesus will come again someday uh, there are sounds of hope when change falls into a red kettle at Christmas. Mm. That's the sound of hope. And as, as Jesus people, we have to become disciplined in listening for hope 
what I feel like you and Alton did through uh, Long is the Way is that you put sprinkled throughout almost on every page, the sound of change falling into a red kettle to me. Mm. I heard hope and, uh, and I read it and I listened for it. And, and you helped me tune my ears uh, to the gritty discipline of finding hope uh, when the noise of despair is so loud um, that sometimes you got to tune your ear to hear it uh, so that above all the, above all the mess, but there's hope in there. There is mm. hope in there. And, and so long is the way uh, does that incredibly well. And I would encourage anybody, like I said, I want you to read this. I want you to jump into it. I want you to grab it um, uh, because it will help you hear hope uniquely in the midst of what is some of the ugliest parts of our history and our culture as a people, as a nation. Uh, there's hope in there. There's hope to be found. So well done. I want to say that to you, uh, to both you and Elton. You can pass on my uh, my love and respect to him as well when you when you tell him uh, that I got to read that. Um, anything else about the book you want to say before I ask you about Small Story Studios? No, I don't. I don't think so. I think I think we've we've pretty much covered. It. It's not a long book. It, it's it's um, it's it's supposed to be a quick read, um, and it's supposed to be a. a a quick look at one man's story that we can all apply to our, our own. And I think that uh, we've covered that. And I'm, I'm, I'm really excited for people to, to read this, not because I wrote it, but because it's a, it's a, it's a really powerful story. It's a, it's a God story. And, um, and so therefore it is a story of hope. And I think that um, I think the folks will be blessed by it. So I, I, I just appreciate you, you reading it so quickly and uh, having good things to say about it. Cause uh, cause I'm pretty proud of it. Well, and I would say one other thing too about it is it's it's not just a story; it's a well-written and well-told story. Uh, it's not it's not like uh, you know fourth-grade Leonard wrote a story uh, about his trip to the farm and cows go moo. Uh, this is professionally well-written. It's described in ways that evoke the heart, uh, that evoke the thought process. Uh, you allow the reader to enter in through the words that you chose about the story that he told. Mm. And uh, that's a, that's a unique gifting, uh, Billy. And I just appreciate that, that you did that so well. Um, you, uh, you wrote uh, an invitation uh, for me and uh, you started the book with, Hey, you know what? We're going to use words in this book that you may not like. Um, and uh, it's, we're going to use phrasing that is authentic and uh, as soon as I read that, I thought I'm in, um, <laughs> you know, um, and so it's just very, very good. Um, I'm going to shift gears a little bit. I want to turn because uh, you are the leader, the head, the grand poobah. You can switch onto that big poobah hat if you want um, of a thing called Small Story Studios. Yeah. And uh, I want to hear about that um, because this project comes out of that work. But tell us about uh, Small Story Studio. Yeah, well, um, yes, Long is the Way is the first project produced and published by Small Stories. And and uh, it's kind of weird to even say that because, you know, I'm, I've, I don't know how to be a publishing company, uh, except for the fact that I've published a couple of books now. Right. And that I love to tell stories. But 
But uh, in the process of, of, I've mentioned Greg Mixon a couple of times, Greg Mixon approaching me to tell Alton's story. He said, he said, tell me about the process that you went through in uh, publishing A Sea Between Us, which is the first book about Yoseli Perea. We've talked about that before. Um, and frankly, I just didn't have a great experience. I didn't have a great experience with a traditional publisher. Um, uh, nothing against Tyndale. They've done such incredible, amazing work, and I'm not disparaging them whatsoever. But my experience was um, less, than, less than desirable. It took a long time. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know how to do what I was doing. I wasn't necessarily shepherded through the process very well. Uh, and why would they, right? I mean, they're, they're just trying to put out, they're just trying to put out books. They're not trying to build an author, right. you know, they're trying to, to put out a book. And so I felt a longing for that shepherding, right. To, yeah. For someone to say, to say, here, here's not only how you do it, but here's, here's ways in which, in which you can accomplish the goals that you, that you have. And so when I was talking to Greg, I said, you know, I don't think I want to do another book through a publisher. And he said, well, then you should just be a publisher. Why don't you just become the CEO of a publishing company? And I immediately went, no, like, I don't even, I don't know what that means. First of all, chief executive officer to me scares the crap out of me. Right? <laughs> I'm just, I'm not that guy. I'm just a writer. I mean, why would I be an executive officer of anything? But, but throughout the process and understanding, I did a lot of research and a lot of uh, a lot of asking friends. You know, the, the, I've got a friend named Chad Gibbs who I actually think in in the back he's in the back of this book. He's written several books. He's a great writer, uh, and I've always been amazed at how prolific he is and how he how quickly he can get something out. Right? I mean, he's he's he, he's like I'm on book four of my series and it's coming out in two weeks. And I started it, you know, six months ago. And I've just always been fascinated about how quickly he can do right. what he's done. And so there are self-publishing, self-publishing um, mechanisms, if you will, or, 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 or uh, organizations, Amazon KDP, Kindle Direct Publishing, uh, Ingram Spark. There's all these different, different, and you know, this being a writer and, and having self-published things, I just didn't have any idea. And so um, but it gave me great hope to say, oh, I can, I can do this. Like I can, I can, I can not only uh, learn from the, the mistakes or not even mistakes, but learn from the experiences I had the first time. Uh, maybe that was just practice. Maybe, maybe, again, I'm super proud of that book. And, and I hope that, that millions upon millions of people hear that, hear and understand and read that story. But, but I was able to change my perspective and shift my focus to maybe that was practice. Now I know some things that I don't want to do. And I think that's probably the first step towards doing the thing you want to do is realizing the things you don't want to do. Right. Right. Uh, and so small stories just became, became a, a conduit, right. First and foremost for this book to be published uh, for, for, for long as the way to be published. Right. But throughout the past year, um, 10 months, I've realized that, that maybe we can not just capitalize on some of the ideas that I've had throughout my career, but, 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 really create a, a, a place that can help shepherd other people yeah. that can not only I can continue to learn through, through telling stories and applying the different stories that I want to tell um, through this small, small story studio uh, uh, conduit, if you will, but, but, but to, to offer that for other, other people. And so that's, that's the thing that I'm really, really excited about. I mean, right now, small story studio is the Billy show. And I don't want it to be the Billy show. I'm not, I'm not comfortable 
having a Billy show. You know, uh, uh, I want to I want to be a place where other creators, other writers, other thinkers can can come and we can partner together to tell these these great stories. Right, and right. Small stories. You know, I, I had a friend the other day read Long as the Way, and he said, "Man, I hate." I hate that you're calling this small story studio. I hate it. He said, because this is a, this is a big story. Like you're telling universal stories. You're, you're telling stories that are going to in, impact the world. This is a lot of things, but it is not small. Right. And I I said, well, therein is the irony idiot. Right. <laughs> like, like, and I called him an idiot because he's a good friend of mine, but, but that's the irony. Right. And, and, what I believe and what, what's just become super clear to me is that I believe we all, all are living small stories. Every story is small until God decides to do something with it. Right. And, and so I'm, I'm not in charge of telling great big stories. God is, right. I am, I am an author. I am a writer. I am um, a, a guy who just loves to engage with people through story and I believe that God can use our stories to make big universal change. Uh, but that's not my responsibility. My responsibility is to tell the small stories that we're all living uh, because that's how connections are made. I can't, you know, if I were to write a story about an astronaut, which I might one day, I don't know, or a guy who, a guy who walks on Mars, right? right? I don't know how I don't know how many people can relate to that. But if I tell a story about a guy who's felt alone his entire life, and then realize, realize that he's never been alone, that he's been lonely, but never alone. That, that, that connects with all of these different stories. And you're able to see your own story through that. So uh, unfortunately, Alton's not the only black guy who has endured racism. Right. right? Yeah. And, and unfortunately, Yoseli Perea is not the only guy who's tried to escape from Cuba. Right. It, it, it's it's uh, these small stories that can make make generational and and universal impact when God takes a hold of them and God uses storytellers to communicate them. And so that's what small stories is going to be. And that's what, that's what we're leaning towards. And right now, again, it's going to be a place for me to share my stories, it, right. literally my story, uh, but also the stories that I'm engaged in. And, but it's also a place where others can come be inspired and be uh, become aware that their story is worth telling. Yeah. And that yeah. at the end of the day, at the end of the day, that's what I really want for people to, to take away and for them to understand that they have a story and that it is worth telling and it's mm -hmm. worth being heard um, yeah. because that's how we learn from each other. And that's how we continue to grow in this manifold, you know, ma manifold of, of, of uh, unity and understanding that, that God is fathering us. He's leading us. And, and, um, the only way for us sometimes to see where God has been throughout our story is to tell it is, is to, is to take pause, write it down, communicate it with somebody. And that's what I want small stories to be as a place for people to do that. So, man, I love that. I think that is so powerful. Um, uh, one of the things that uh, when we teach cross-cultural uh, relationships and building anything's cross cultures, uh, I said that the tendency for us to do, when we cross cultures is to, is to focus on what is different. And so I, I, I read Alton's story and I go, well, I did not grow up in a home like that. I didn't have this, you know, and so on and so on. But in reality, the, that, that none of those, none of those observations build a bridge. 
The only observations that build a bridge is when I find out what we have in common. Uh, What do we both share? We both share an ache for meaning. We both share uh, uh, what it means to be alone. We both share uh, the pain of, 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 of rejection or abuse or harm. Um, What do we have in common? And to me, the beauty of all the stuff you've put out and I think what small stories do is they they actually reveal what we have in common. Yeah. And yeah. that's where they get their power because that's how they build their bridges. Yeah. Um, and so as you are, as you're putting together small stories, um, take a second and uh, you can take longer than a second if you'd like, because we have a little bit of time. Um, tell us about the power of a story. Um, because you're capturing them, you're telling them. Uh, so you know something about a story that's powerful. Tell us about your perspective of a power, how, how stories, where they get their power or how their power is wielded. Uh, give us some of that. Well, I, th- I, th- I kind of think you nailed it in your introduction to that question, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's where, where can we... What unites us? What are the commonality? What, what do we share in common? Not just what makes us different. It's fun to learn things. It's fun to be educated about things that you might not have understood. But it is, I think, lives are changed and perspectives are shifted when you see when you can see yourself in those situations. And so you kind of nailed it, Leonard. I mean, not to not to cop out the, the answer, but but I, I feel like the most powerful stories are the ones that we can see ourselves in and, and we can. Uh, we understand that we all have this universal need to be seen and heard and known and respected and appreciated and loved. And, and it is through telling stories. It is through sharing our vulnerabilities that, that, that happens. Right. And, and, you know, one of, one of my all time favorite sayings, and I don't know who said it, I could probably Google it, but I kind of like taking credit for it. So I don't want to give a name to it, but it's, uh, it's, it's to inspire another person requires only a willingness to share your story Hmm. to inspire. Another person requires only a willingness to share your story. What I love about that is it doesn't say to inspire another person. You got to tell your story. It doesn't say that it says it it requires a willingness to share your story. And what that means to me is it's, it's a vulnerability. It's an openness. It's a, uh, it's allowing people in. Right. Right. And so the stories that I like to tell are the stories that invite people in, right. Invite people into a perspective and let them know that they're not alone and let them know that, 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 Hey, I I've experienced and lived through some things that might seem foreign to you, but we really, we're all kind of the same. We all have the same hopes and dreams and goals and desires, right? We, they, they sometimes come in different ways. The, the whole, the whole talk around the napkinisms, right. And I think mm-hmm. we can, that in just a second but but napkinisms is is something an accidental platform that happened to me seven or eight years ago when I started sharing outwardly the notes that I was writing to my children before class before school whatever Um, and they just kind of went nuts and 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 I, for the longest time, thought I must just be the funniest guy in the world. I must be the most insightful father on the planet. My wife, who's always so good at bringing me down to where I should be, she said, no, it's not what you're writing. It's that you're writing. Yeah. Not what you're writing. It's that you're writing. Mm. These notes that is resonating with people and making them 
reminding them of characters in their own stories, reminding them of a time when they felt loved and cared for or whatever. And what a powerful thing, right? I never intended for these notes that I was writing to my kids to find that find anybody other than my kids until I started sharing. And then Mm -hmm. I started reading the stories that people were, were leaving comments and stuff that people were leaving for me. And my wife in her ultimate wisdom was right, right? It it wasn't what I was writing, it was that I was writing. And and I think that really speaks to the same idea, right? We all have this universal need to see ourselves through story, to to feel seen and heard and loved and appreciated. And and I just don't know a better way to do that than just being being honest and making yourself vulnerable. you know, uh, I, I go out and I talk about, you know, I talk about the napkinisms thing and I talk about influence, storytelling, uh, and the power of a napkin, right? Mm-hmm. And so influence is something that, that we all, I think we've all been sort of, uh, misguided. And I think we, we, we've, we've convinced ourselves you have to do world changing things to change the world. Right. But what I ask people to do is I say, think of the most influential person in your life who is the most influential person in your life. Don't tell me their name. You don't have, but what are the attributes and characteristics or whatever of that person? More than likely they didn't cure cancer. And if they did, I haven't, I haven't heard it yet. It hadn't made it more than likely. They didn't walk on the moon more than likely. They're not a star athlete or a billionaire somewhere more than likely. They're a normal person who engaged with you and showed you something that has, that has, has yielded power in your life. Yeah. And we all have the, you know, if, if, if you don't think that you have that, that power, just take it from a guy who writes stuff on napkins to his kids, right. you know, lives have been changed because of that. And I have stories to prove it. And I'm not patting myself on the back saying, Hey, look what I did. I'm literally going, look what I did. Right. I just showed up and wrote notes to my kids. Yeah. That's yeah. a small story, right? That's a small story. God has, God has used those napkins, those ridiculous napkins to speak to people that I will never meet, you know, and, and, and that's, that's powerful. And, and again, that when you can go, Oh, all I have to do is be willing to share my story. Yeah. God's going to use that. That's how, that's how these, you know, I hate to tell my friend, but that's how these small stories become big. It's nothing. It's not me. Right. Right. It's, it's, um, and that's why you can kind of, kind of, um, take the pressure off, you know, it's not it, of, Hey, is this thing going to sell a hundred thousand copies? As long as the way going to sell a hundred thousand copies? I don't know. I hope so. That would be awesome. Yeah. yeah. But at the end of the day, somebody's going to read it and go, Oh, I get it now. Maybe for the first time. And that's, that's a powerful thing. Yeah. No, we yeah. got to keep the lights on. We got to feed our children and send them to college and pay for the power bills or whatever. But at the end of the day, truly, um, that's what I, that's what I want people to get from small stories is, is mm-hmm. that they're not alone. They have an right, opportunity right. and it's a big one. When you, when you describe all that, here's what I'm hearing you say. Um, uh, stories connect to us where we are, but inspire us to become uh, a, a, a story in someone else's life. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a contagious nature to a story. Um, you used the word hope uh, several times today, um, both in Alton's story and then in the things that you want. I hope this happens. I hope we sell. Uh, uh, hope is is a parchment upon which stories are written. 
Um, and I think for many people listening today, um, part of recognizing their, uh, beginning to recognize their story or how their story, the contagious nature of it, there's hope in that. Hmm. And I hope we sell 100,000 copies. Uh, well, it would be nice to sell 100,000 copies and get some checks and get some uh, money in the account and have a have a have a buffer to write the next four or five stories and all those things would be amazing uh, and we want that but what you said was not that you said i hope we sell 100,000 copies because you know the contagious nature of a story and its ability to transform you know uh to be all all jesusy on you for a second here um uh, Jesus uh, understood the contagious nature of a story. And I think there's a lot of reflection in that in, in his life when he would look at somebody and I don't know how it works, but he'd say, don't tell anybody knowing that they were going to tell everybody. <laughs> uh, this is just between you and me. And then, you know, he goes into the Decapolis, which is these 10 regions, cities that are all Greek. They're all pagan. Uh, he goes there. He gets off the boat and he's met by a guy who's naked, wearing chains and demon possessed. And uh, Jesus goes, shh, quiets the demons, makes friends with pig farmers, sending uh, the demons up to the up to the herd of pigs. They all run down a hill and die. Um, and. He, the, everybody says, get out of here, Jesus. You're, you're freaking us out. <laughs> the guy says, Hey, Jesus, I want to go with you. I no longer fit here. I'm not mm. demon possessed. This is not my, this is not my place, not my people. You are. And Jesus says, no, you need to stay here and tell people what happened. Two chapters later, Jesus goes back to the Decapolis and the very same people who said, uh, Jesus leave. were now saying, Jesus, we believe. Mm. All came from one guy's story. Um, you know, Jesus heals a blind guy and there's a story about how he was blind, who sinned. There's, there's a story about, but when, uh, when he finally gets tossed out and Jesus finds him, uh, he has now a story. And if you read in the gospel of John, that comes back a couple times because Jesus had healed a blind man on the, the story continues. Hmm. Jesus, they wanted to kill Lazarus because Jesus raised him from the dead. And they wanted to kill Jesus because the story gained power. Psalms, let hmm. the redeemed of the Lord say, tell the story. Just hmm. keep telling the story again and again. Um, uh, Billy, I, 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 I think you get that. I think you... Uh, you do that. Can I ask you to encourage somebody listening right now who's going, I don't have a story um, or I don't know how to tell a story. Um, can you give them maybe a step or two to think differently or start a process? Yeah. Well, that's so interesting, Leonard, because uh, yes, I think so. Um, I think so because um, part of, part of small stories is that we're, we're going to have a podcast and I would I would like to go ahead and officially invite you to, to be a guest on that podcast here in the next uh, couple of weeks and whenever you're back from your travels. But but I was just writing something um, about that very thing. Right. Is that um, is that first of all, we're all we're all storytellers, whether whether we believe it or not. You know, we, we are 
if we're alive, living and engaging with other people, we're telling stories. Right. And, and, and the daunting part about being a storyteller is, um, is starting. I mean, the, the, the start, the start of a story is really, really hard. Um, right. I think what, what is daunting about that is we feel like we have that the, the, the start of the story begins with the first line of the story. Like, how do we, how do we put words on paper? And that just couldn't be further from the truth. I, it, you don't start your story by writing it. You start your story by living it and being, being receptive to the different forces and the different things that are happening to allow you in that situation. So uh, one of the things that I have that has helped me is, is to, is to remove um, the word coincidence from my mm -hmm. vocabulary. <laughs> what the, there, there really aren't, there, there's no such thing as coincidence. Coincidentally, there's... I did the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, I, that's, that was a big step for me is to say, well, this didn't just happen, didn't happen just because this didn't occur just because that I'm not here today talking with Leonard just because there's, there's, there's a purpose and a reason behind all of the things. Right. And if we can, believe that and and grab hold of that then it's a lot easier for us to to begin and so yeah. I, I don't think that beginning your story is sitting down and going once upon a time right in fact the 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 the, the episode the podcast episode is is don't ever start at the beginning is the title of the is the episode because you, you got to start with you know words are easy even if they're not words are easy but ideas are hard right and having something to say some having realizing you have something to say is not always easy but if you can remove the coincidence the word coincidence from your vocabulary and understand that we are all in this together right that uh, that your life if your story doesn't matter then your life then you probably don't think your life has a whole lot of significance right. and i just i would just encourage people to understand and look around right i mean those of us who are parents, that's significant. You know? yeah. Those of us who are who are dealing with other people on a day to day basis, that is significant. We all have an opportunity to engage in the stories of other people and to inspire another person requires only a willingness to share what's happened to you. And so so it doesn't have to be a big world changing thing. Right. Again, um, uh, I, I, that's why I think the 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 accident of napkinisms, the accident of, of popularity of this, of writing simple messages to my kids has been, it can be so impactful moving forward is, 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 is such a great example of doing little bitty small things to make a big impact. And, right. and so again, I don't know if I answered your question, but I, I just, first of all, it's, it's not sitting down, sitting down at a keyboard. That's not how you begin telling a story. It's, it's having conversations. It's, it's being in relationship with other people. And sometimes it's less about what you've done and more about how other people have impacted you. Yeah. That's the story. That's the powerful story. I mean, Alton's story is, uh, is engaging, but the power of it comes when he realizes these outside forces that have yeah. been gotten him all yeah. along. It has nothing to do with the fact that he was born in Sardis, Alabama. Right, right. And it, it, being a storyteller is not, is not the same as being an author and uh and people have to understand that you can be a great storyteller but you don't you don't have to write a book no, uh, that's you know and i think sometimes people feel like when they hear i'm a storyteller 
Well, that means you can write books. That means you can orate and you can stand up in front and rivet a crowd. And, and that's not always true. Sometimes it's, it's the person who sits across from you. Um, stories are also told in snippets. They're not, you know, you don't need a four hour story from me when I'm getting my hair cut. <laughs> you need a 30 second soundbite that tells you a story that connects to a, a, a builds a bridge. Um, uh, one of the things, and you allude to this, but it's all throughout the book, um, Alton's story uh, did not, um, Alton's story of hope had competition with the story of despair. And the story of despair is what he told himself. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I'm a loser. I'm worthless. I have no value. I cannot succeed. He continually, and so being able to hear uh, truth, not experience in a story and tell truth, not experience. Cause those aren't always the same thing. Right. You know, I think John Acuff writes in his book soundtracks, here's a good thing. Is it true? Is it helpful? And is it kind? Uh, if it's not those three things, that's the litmus test. Uh, if it's not one of those or all those three of those things, it's probably not a good soundtrack. It's not, it's a negative story. It's not a true story. Um, so let me ask you this. Uh, I'm going to shift into this uh, process. Um, uh, I want to talk about believability uh, in a story. You know, I can read Alton's story and I can be dumbfounded going, no way. People aren't that cruel. People aren't that mean. Uh, no way. What do you think makes a story believable? Because I believed every word you wrote. Mm -hmm. Uh uh, what is it about a story that makes it believable and why is that important? That was not in the list of questions I sent you since I didn't send you any. <laughs> yeah. Uh, gosh, that's a great question. I, I, it's um, it's funny because because for a story to be believable, it doesn't even really have to be relatable. Right. I, I mean, like I, I can't relate to the experiences that Alton right. had. Uh, but I believe him. Um, I think it's, I think a lot of it has to do with intentionality behind, behind what, what do you, what do you, what are you communicating and why? I think the, the intentionality behind that is, is if I, if I'm, if I'm writing something like what I'm assuming you're referring to in the book where, when Alton was uh, experienced, you know, abject racism, right? Mm -hmm. when, uh, if I'm writing that for shock value um, and to make you say, see, see, I told you, it, then I think that that it becomes a little bit less believable. If it becomes mm -hmm. if if those uh, shocking moments um, are there for shock value, then it, then I don't think it's I think you're just sort of decorating. Right. Mm -hmm. it, but if it, if it's a part of the the integral story that is trying to be told and trying and, and as uses an example of real life. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a lot more believable. I think it has to do with the intentionality of the storyteller. Like, what mm. am I trying, what am I trying to communicate here? Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's a very, very difficult question to answer. Cause, cause I don't know, I'm not, I'm not really interested in, um, of course, I want people to be impressed by how I write stuff, but but ultimately, I think it's it's the my intentions throughout this story was to tell the truth, yeah, 
Del Alton's story in ways that he couldn't even communicate. Right. Uh, right. And to be able to, to, to help his voice, his voice be heard. He wouldn't have chosen some of the words that I chose in this book. Like you said, though, it's my words, his story. And I think there's, there's, uh, there's power there. So I trust, I think I trusted him to be honest with me. He trusted me to not try to be more than, than it, than I needed to be or more, more than, uh, you know, the decisions, the, the filter that I created for this story, uh, he agreed with and he, he approved of, and, um, golly, I'm just rambling at this point, but what a great question. What, the, what, what creates believability? Um, I just think it's personal experience and your intention, your, uh, your intentions around, around what, you, what you're yeah. trying to do. Um, can you answer the question? I, I don't know if I can as much as um, I greet people every Sunday morning at my church. That's one of my roles. I stand out front and I say, man, I'm so glad you're here. Thanks for coming today. Well, you, 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 you brought kids. Thanks for bringing them. And I'm believable. I think I'm believable. Um, because I actually believe it's good for them to be there. <laughs> I believe that when they walk in, God's going to love them, that their kids are going to get hope, uh, that somebody's going to say to them, they matter, that they're going to hear a word from a song, from a message, from a conversation that makes their life filled with hope. Yeah. And so believability to me comes from what I believe. You know, I've listened to more than my share of preachers over the years. And more than once I have sat in the audience when I don't think he believes what he's saying. Um, So I don't actually believe and what he's saying isn't untrue. I just don't think he believes it, you know? Um, And, uh, and I think, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to go ahead. No, I said, and I I think you communicate in, in, in long as the way that um, Alton had that conflict where he was speaking about race, but no longer believed that what he was saying. And so his believability uh, while being celebrated because of the, the, how big the story was, he could no longer say it. And that's why he ended up in Alabama again, because there was an internal conflict of believability. Yeah. Wow, I'm not, sure, I'm not yeah. sure I believe the solution is the solution I'm saying. Hmm. There's something powerful to that. And, and, what you and Alton put together is a hundred percent believable story about hope. And, uh, and I just think that that's essential. What you've communicated to me today, Billy, is that you believe that if I read this story, it'll impact my life. Uh, if you did not believe that, um, I wouldn't want to read the book. You yeah. Know? Uh, and, and so believability, I think oftentimes, um, it's got it. I want it to be true, uh, but I want to know that you believe it. And I think that's what gave Jesus such authority when he talked about my father and you're going to know truth and it's going to free you because he saw the slavery that these people were under to sin. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going, if you do this here on earth, heaven will recognize it. He believed that because of his connection to his father. Again, another theme in your book, uh, in the book that you guys wrote. And so I think there's something about believability that uh, you guys captured incredibly well in the well, small stories. Yeah, and, and I think it. I think that's 
first of all, it's a the huge compliment. I appreciate it. The I think the sincerity around the purpose for it is probably also also a big you ever go to Chick-fil-A and say thank you and they say, My pleasure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Believe them. You ever go to Chick-fil-A and somebody and you say thank you and they go, My pleasure. Hope you have a great day. You believe you believe it. You feel yeah. that. I feel, yeah. oh, that's that is your pleasure. But otherwise, it's like I'm gonna roll my eyes because you're just doing what you're supposed to do. Right. You're just doing what they're making you do. Mm-hmm. You're just doing what they have to say. My all my kids have all worked at Chick-fil-A. My pleasure has become a part of all of their vernacular, their day-to-day language. I can say, hey man, thanks for picking up your shoes. And my son goes, My pleasure. Right. I don't and no, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, it wasn't. Uh, but but uh, but it, when you can say something and mean it and yeah. feel it and 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 believe it with your whole heart, yeah. um, I think that's that you're exactly right. And I think that sometimes you know, go back to the intentionality, right? What is what yeah. were my intentions for writing this play? I wanted to tell a true story. It goes back to what I was saying. I don't want to write a story that is going to be sugarcoated. I don't want to write a story that's going to be a political statement. I want to, my intentions are true. I want to tell a true story. And I want people to end up at hope for themselves. Yeah. 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 Um, that's Success. why I think that's why that, well, thank you. Yeah. That's why the book is, 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 uh, is going to make an impact because throughout the entire process, Alton and I have yeah. to want to do nothing but tell the truth. Yeah. Well, is there anything that we can look forward to a podcast is coming uh, for a small story yeah. studio? Anything yeah. else we can look forward to? Yeah, I, actually, actually, I think it's going to be an exciting uh, several weeks ahead. Small stories. Right now, if you go to smallstorystudio.com, you're going to see a landing page for the book. Um, but in uh, a week or so, you're going to see a, 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 a bigger, better um, uh, website. And in a week or so, I don't know when this podcast is going to release, but sometime in November, in November, this uh, small story studio is going to be not only a place for us that we're going to sell things like long is the way. And we're going to have a podcast on there where folks can come and listen to some things and there'll be a blog where I share thoughts from time to time. Uh, but we're inviting other people to do the same thing. And so, so we're going to not only just offer the things that I'm involved with, but we're going to begin offering, uh, you know, peeks into things that other people are doing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the biggest announcement that I would have is that we are putting out in November, just in time for Christmas and, and stocking stuffers, uh, a napkinisms book. Nice. So napkinisms. If folks don't know, we've talked about it a little bit, but it's basically going to be uh, a collection of, of, of napkins that I've written to my kids over, over the past several years. And then the story around that napkin or the story around the response from that napkin, or maybe just uh, some commentary on why they're at, you know, what the napkin is going to be. So it'd be about a 150 page book uh, that we're putting out. And I think it's going to be really neat to, to, to put those out in that way. It's going to be basically uh, the experience of scrolling through my Instagram, right. but it's going to be the nuggets, <laughs> the nuggets in, in, in book form. And I think that's, uh, that's going to be really cool. We're putting that out. Um, and then also we're, we're putting out the, the talk that I give the, the um, influence storytelling and the power yeah. of the travels. Uh, I've, I've recorded that very uh, um, not professionally, but I've recorded that and that's going to also be available on the website so that, you know, not just some of these organizations and trade, trade right. organizations, businesses and schools and whatnot that I go and speak at sometimes can benefit from that story, but it's going to be something that, that is downloadable, purchasable, uh, so that, that, that individuals, families, small groups or whatever can, can sort of just, uh, 
uh, get that perspective for themselves through the next. So, so we're going to offer a lot, a lot more things uh, through the website, and it's going to hopefully become over the next uh, several months a place where other people can come and share as well. So, uh, super excited about small stories and uh, and how that's going to grow. And um, yeah, I, I would invite anybody to go there to be encouraged, inspired, and to. Per- perhaps get in touch and let us help you tell your story because that's that's another thing that I love to do I want to I want to continue writing other people's stories because I feel like I'm that's a that's a gift that uh that I've been given and I want to use it so man I love all of the things that you're doing Billy I I will put um smallstorystudio.com is that correct smallstoriesstudio.com yes great and we're going to put that in the show notes but go there now write it down uh smallstorystudio.com. Get the book, Long is the Way. Uh, read it and uh, share it with a friend. I mean, this is the kind of uh, this is the kind of thing that um, it needs to catch fire because it is about hope. It is about uh, things that we all share in common, even though our stories are different. And it is about a father uh, who in heaven who says, I am with you. Uh, whether it is... Uh, recognizing how flowers bloom uh, right in front of your eyes to, um, you know, uh, a brother showing up to say, I'm taking you away because tomorrow you're going to get beat up if you don't, you know, kind of a deal. I mean, every step along the way, God's hope uh, comes through. So people make sure you take time and, and Billy, don't, don't stop doing what you're doing um, because you're influencing other people's stories. I so appreciate uh, the way you're using your gifts and your talents uh, for that. Um, and uh, I'm really grateful that you're here today. Anything else you want to drop on our listeners before we jump out of here? No, I, I think I think we need to make an announcement about your Christmas card that's coming out, right? You're, you're, you're... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know what? I got a book coming out for Christmas yeah. and it's, uh, it's about uh, 35 or so pages. It's, it's a devotional and it's called God has a thing for names and, uh, we're excited about it. That's such and, a good, you know, 600 years before uh, Jesus was born, uh, God gave him nicknames, you know, not like sport or bud or, or pal, but Emmanuel, God with us, uh, Prince of Peace, wonderful counselor. And so we just take a peek into what those names were and how uh, Jesus fulfilled each one of those and how he continues to. So that'll be a fun thing. Almost as if it were orchestrated, right? Almost as if God had a plan and it came to pass. That's one of my favorite phrases in the Bible. So uh, it's like God had a timing for it. So, well, my friend, I'm praying that uh, this, this, uh, this uh, book catches fire uh, for you guys, for small stories, for uh, for those who would read it, uh, for Alton, for um, uh, his stewardship of a story. Um, uh, I'm inspired by it and I am uh, touched by it. And folks, I can't say it enough. Get the book and read it. Uh, you, you will not be, uh, uh, you'll be challenged in great ways and you will find hope as you do. So, Billy, thanks for uh, joining me today. And I'm sure that uh, we've got more than one more podcast uh, in our future. And I'm looking forward to that. And folks, thanks for listening uh, to say yes and become. And uh, we'll see you next time we see you.